Welcome everybody to the Crosspoint Sermon Podcast. Realize that we are not fighting from a place of defeat. We're fighting from a place of victory. We've already won. What do we have to be scared of? In today's sermon podcast, Pastor Jonathan talks about the story of Deborah from the Old Testament. What an incredible story of a woman used by God, empowered by God, authorized by God to speak into his people's lives, truth, discernment, and counsel. For you and I to thrive, we need the power of the Holy Spirit doing the same for us. So sit back and enjoy today's message. God bless. We're in a series entitled Thrive. Thrive. And we are talking, we're going through some awesome, awesome people of the Bible and learning how to thrive through their stories, through what they went through. And it's important because God, he, he wants us to thrive. He is not calling us to just, hey, be a Christian and just hopefully you get through life. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to thrive in him. And that's what we get to do. And so we're gonna spend some time in the book of Judges. In fact, we're gonna go to Judges 4. For those of you that have your Bible and you wanna just go ahead and turn there, we're gonna jump into that in just a little bit. And we're gonna get to talk about Deborah today. And Deborah's awesome. And so we're gonna get to talk about Deborah and every, what she did. And we need to understand this, especially because of the times that we live in. And let me tell you, there is a direct correlation between what is going on in Judges with the Israelites and what is happening today in this world. There really is. Because there are times, if you read through Judges, multiple chapters say, and the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Or the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight again. And then the Israelites did evil again. And then later on it says, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone always wanted to do what was right in just their eyes. Is there a correlation there between that and what we're at today? They did right in their own eyes, which means they did wrong in the eyes of God. An entire culture, an entire nation was living in open defiance, continual rebellion against God the Father. That's what Israel kept doing. And they would say things like, well, at least I am being true to myself. I'm honoring my truth. I'm being consistent with my feelings. I'm a good person. I have a good heart. No one can judge us. You just need to be true to your truth. And then that led to a nation in utter collapse. Where are we at? You think there's some similarities? Well, if that doesn't sound familiar enough, this is what Israel did. They decided we're gonna do everything right in our own eyes and we're gonna not do anything that God told us to do. So we're gonna open everything up to do whatever we wanna do, however we wanna feel. So there's gonna be anarchy in the streets. 
There's gonna be sexual immorality running rampant, pornographic gatherings, fluid morality, cultural decline, weak leadership, open borders, debt, governmental corruption, sexual anarchy, and a nation in complete freefall, and a nation that has decided that it is, it we wanna be a progressive, woke, apostate, demonic church. That doesn't sound like what we're doing today. All of that that we're doing, that we, see, we keep thinking we're in a new place, in a new time, and doing new things. It's the same things that were going on in the Old Testament. We're new. No, you just, you just text. <laughs> you just Snapchat it. <laughs> but all of this leads to these type of numbers. This is where we are as the world. Let me give you some statistics. 2023, global causes of death. A million plus suicides just in 2023. Because we wanna go by our feelings. 1.3 million traffic accidents resulting in death. Large amount of that results in alcohol, drugs, and texting. 1.6 million HIV deaths, 4.9 million smoking deaths, 8.2 million cancer deaths, 12.9 infectious disease deaths. And it's not just COVID. COVID didn't kill everything else. That's a total of 29.9 million deaths. And that's not counting genocide by dictators or martyred deaths for, as Christians. There were over 6,000 Christians martyred for Christ this past year, but nobody talks about that. Here's the other big statistic. This is where our feelings have taken us. This is the biggest number. 44.6 million abortion deaths globally. It outnumbers everything else. Judges 3, 7 says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord, their God. They served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. And Judges 10, 6 says, again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal and Asherah and the gods of Aram, Sidon, Moab, Ammon, and Philistia. They abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. These are the results of living a self-centered, sin-first, hell-up lifestyle. These are anointing killers. Well, how do we get there? How, how, do, how, do, how do countries get to this? Well, we can learn from the Israelites because Israel would compromise one thing at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, big destruction begins with a little compromise. Big destruction in our lives and our spiritual walk begins with a little bit of compromise. Well, I'm just gonna let a little new age in. 
I'm not going to believe the entire Bible. I love God, but I'm not so sure about this Jesus guy. Or I love God and I love Jesus, but this Holy Spirit thing. Little compromises. The book of Judges, if you read the whole book of Judges, the book of Judges is a story of tolerance and failure. But, but God takes our failures and makes the most of it and continues to bring hope no matter what because he's that good. Intolerance, I've said it before and I'm gonna say it again because I think it's worth repeating. Tolerance is counterfeit of repentance. We'll just tolerate it. Why do we have to turn from it? I'm just gonna tolerate this in my life. You got that little nagging thing that just drives you crazy, you know? Tick, 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 and it just gets worse and worse, but then you're just like, I'm just gonna tolerate, I'm just gonna tolerate, I'm just gonna tolerate, I'm just gonna tolerate. Well, why don't we, instead of tolerating what we've been doing, why don't we turn from it and say, you don't have a hold on me anymore? Anger doesn't have a hold on me anymore. My feelings aren't gonna control me, my God is. You can't just be tolerant of everything because it will lead, this is the other thing it does, it will lead to demons being in charge of your life. Daniel eleven thirty two 32 says, with smooth words, he will seduce those who act wickedly against the covenant. But the people who know their God will stand strong and prevail. Everything can change, ladies and gentlemen, if the church will do what the church is supposed to do. If the church will stand and lead and with unfailing love, with grace, but with truth and not shy away from it. We can love everybody. I've told people, I don't care if the first two rows are full of the drag queens. I really don't. Bring them. They're gonna hear the truth and we're not gonna shy away. And we're gonna love them back to the kingdom of God. But we won't compromise. We love people. Doesn't mean we compromise them. But we gotta step up because God is calling us to live an anointed and empowered heaven down lifestyle instead of a hell up lifestyle. We've gotta start doing it. Psalm 106, 43 through 45 says this. Again and again, he rescued them. But they chose to rebel against him and they were finally destroyed by their what? That's the word that nobody wants to say. Thank you for saying it. Even so, he pitied them in their distress and listened to their cries. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his what? The unfailing love of God, the unfailing love of Christ, the unfailing love of the Holy Spirit. 
never fails. Never fails. We serve Jehovah who is full of unfailing love. We live for King Jesus who pours out continual grace and we stand for the righteousness and empowerment, strength and giftings of the Holy Spirit. It's our job to stand, to move forward, to take the land. The only way we do that is we've got to keep our eyes on Yahweh. Our key scripture for today is 1 John 4, 4, and it says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already, what? What's the word? Say it with some passion. Won a victory over those people because what? The spirit who lives in is greater than the spirit who lives in the, come on, hold on to that truth. You've already won. We gotta start, we gotta start holding on to that and reveal that, realize that we are not fighting from a place of defeat, we're fighting from a place of victory. We've already won. What do we have to be scared of? I'm just getting started, <laughs> I'm just saying. I believe this is the day of the Holy Spirit. This is the day of his fullness. This is the day our helper is gonna reveal himself even more. And he's not a punishment. I grew up in church school, went to Christian school, depending on what pastor was in charge, you know, kind of go with different things, different philosophies. But I remember, getting in trouble. I don't know if you ever got in trouble as a kid, but in Christian school, I got in trouble all the time. You think I'm kidding? I am not. I have witnesses that are still alive. (laughs) I was in trouble a lot, a lot. And I literally had a pastor come up to me and I mean, he just, he got, he was mad. He was frustrated with me. And he was like, you need more of the spirit in you. And my first thought was, well, if that's the spirit that's in you, I don't want anything to do with it. (laughs) I was like, the spirit is not a punishment. It's not something that we go, you need more. No, no, we get the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the spirit is not how much of the Holy Spirit you have. It's actually how much of the Holy Spirit has you. because you don't own the Holy Spirit. How much are we surrendering? We need the Holy Spirit who connects us to God. He is our friend. He strengthens us, he encourages us. I love what Martin Luther King says. He says, living every day under the threat of death, I feel discouraged sometimes. Living every day under extensive criticisms, I feel discouraged sometimes. Yes, sometimes I feel discouraged and, my, and feel my works in vain, but the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And he leads us into all truth, not just our feels truth. Not just to your truth or your truth or your truth or your truth. Well, this is my truth. You need to live your life by my truth. I don't think so. I'm gonna live by the truth. And who is the truth? It's Jesus. Let's live by the truth, the one who's been here forever. 
Let's live by that truth. And let's ask the helper who is the Holy Spirit for wisdom in this. Amen? So I want, before we go into Deborah, because I, I, I really believe this part of Deborah was just awesome. But I want to ask you this question. And I want you to really think about it. How much control and access have we given the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because when you read Deborah, Deborah's given everything. He has full control. And it's awesome. So let's talk about, let's get into the Judges 4. Judges 4 verse 1 says, After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. Yeah. So the Lord had turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoim. Sisera, who had 900 chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. It took them 20 years to cry out to God. Like if I'm being oppressed by people, it should take like maybe 20 minutes. It says, then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Whew, 20 years of having to serve this king? 20 years of oppression? 20 years when you know what God has done for your ancestors? And here's the, the Canaanites. This is the Canaanite territory and what they believe. They worshiped many gods. And their goal was to get everyone in Israel focused on their gods rather than the Hebrew Jehovah. Their gods were El and his, and his wife, the fertility god Asherah. Their son was the storm god Baal who is also linked to fertility, but mostly sexual perversion. And we've talked about this. Fertility was a prime importance in the Canaanite religion, but it is where men and women participated in ritual prostitution to ensure that their farmlands would have grain. Israel became a hostile place there were bands of marauders that roamed the highways and people were terrified to leave their homes. Lawlessness was rampant. Hopelessness and fear hung over the land. And King Jabin's might was very intimidating. He had a spiritual hold and principality over that area. And his goal was to sexualize the whole land. Let's get them focused on this and not this. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Now, King Jabin, if you read the, through the Bible, there's actually multiple King Jabins. That's because it's kind of like Caesar. It's a title. It, it, it was just a title for kings at that, in that region. And Hazor, where he was over, says King Jabin of Hazor means fortified and enclosed. You're trapped. And he had tens of thousands of troops at his beck and call. And nobody from Israel ever did, dared to fight against him. Sisera, 
His name means boiling, battle array, springing to onset, ready for war, enraged, a pot boiling over. Don't you want to hang out with that guy? That's the guy who snaps at everything. You ever hang out with somebody like that? They're so much fun. Bring them to the party, man. They're so cool to hang out with. Writer Flavius Josephus said this about Jabin's infantry. He said he had over 300,000 men, a cavalry of 10,000, and of course the iron chariots. And the hearts of the people were shackled by fear. In fact, Judges 4.3, I love how the Passion Translation puts this. It says this, then the Israelites with shattered hearts cried out to Yahweh for help. How many times in our life do we feel like our hearts have been shattered? Our dreams have been shattered. Our hope has been shattered. In fact, some of you may be there right now. But it's never too late to cry out for Yahweh. Why? Because of what Psalm 34, 18 says. He says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Not getting crushed, already crushed. He was the lifter of your head. He will pick you up right where you're at and he will transform life. He'll put life into you and transform you like that. Now here's Deborah. I love this. Verse four, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth. What a name. Was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Man, that is awesome. Just think about this. Deborah means bee or honeybee. She could be sweet, but she will sting you. She had some of the finest qualities. She was a gifted woman of God, God-fearing, spirit-filled. She allowed God to develop all of her capabilities and to impact everyone around her. She was a prophetess. Deborah was said to hear God's voice and share God's word with others. And she thrived in everything that she did. Why? Because she was full of the Holy Spirit. She would lead worship services. She was a worship leader. She was a songwriter. She would preach. She was awesome. Well, women didn't have that right back then. Well, apparently they did. Because Deborah's, I mean, she's hearing from the Lord. Her, she got a whole section in the Bible. What did you do? <laughs> Deborah's awesome. Deborah's goal was to get the Israelites focused back on Yahweh. And she was known for her wisdom. That's why people came to her. Just think about that. She was an anointed prophetess, a wife, a judge, a warrior, a songwriter. She was in this special club of prophetesses. 
in the Bible, all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Just for those that were like, well, that's just Old Testament. It's in the New Testament also. Miriam was in the Old Testament, sister of Moses. Huldah was with King Josiah, 2 Kings 22. New Testament, Anna was in Luke. And in Acts 21, there were the four virgin daughters who prophesied. And do you realize that out of all the heroes and judges, she's the only one that was called a prophet. I think, uh, I think that's pretty amazing. God worked through her. And he worked through Barak also. So here, here she is. Let's go to verse six. It says, one day she sent for Barak, son of Abinon, who lived in Kedesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. That is bold. You have to know that you heard from God to command one of the Israel leaders, uh, the army leaders and say, this is what God's telling you to do. I I believe that not only was she she Jewish, but she had a little red in her hair. (laughs) Look, I grew up with a redheaded mom. I know how redheaded, but half my family is redheaded. I know how redheads are. There was a little bit of the red anointing on Deborah. Because you got to be fiery and you got to be bold and you got to be brave to do that. And then she'd sit under the palm of Deborah. She had her own palm tree. <laughs> like that's. And have you ever seen what palm trees do? Like when I went to Galveston this last time, there was a huge storm. And for the Sunday night and all day Monday that I was there, they have palm trees there. And the palm trees would like the wind was blowing so hard that they would bend and bend to work. It looked like they were just completely over and they were gonna snap. And when that wind would relent, boom, they'd come right back up. Here comes the wind, boom. I think Deborah was a little bit like that. She had people that would talk bad about her and she'd have people that would come and try to challenge her and she'd be like, ah, boom. I think we as Christians need to be like that a little bit. We snap too much. She would sit under that palm tree. And Psalm 92, 12 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. And she goes to Barak and she just gives him this awesome Instruction. Verse eight. Or let's go to, back to verse seven. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Nephtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabar. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with all his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. And Barak told her, I will go. But only if you go with me. <laughs> and I've heard so many sermons and teachings that 
Barak was a weak man. He lacked courage, second-guessed himself. Look, you don't become the leader of the Israel army by being weak. My personal thought. My personal thought is I think he recognized Deborah's anointing and authority. And just like when the Israelites would go to battle, they would carry the Ark of the Covenant, which held the presence of God, and it would go before them and everything, and they always had that to look at. I, I believe that they recognized that the presence of God is on Deborah, and we're not going to fight without the presence of God. <laughs> the Deborah anointing, I'll take that. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Problem is, we go to battle without him. And then we wonder why we get beat up. Perhaps if we need to start learning how to recognize the anointing of the Holy Spirit before recognizing the false anointing of the enemy before us. Deborah completely trusted Yahweh. And Barak trusted her. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how we thrive. We have to trust the Holy Spirit. We have to trust the Holy Spirit. His priority was the welfare of the nation. He wanted to see everything succeed, but he knew we're not going unless we go out as a team. How many times do we as Christians, we just want to, we think we can do everything by ourselves, and we don't ask the team to help us. That's what the church is, it's your team. That's what your community groups are, your team. That's what your community group leaders are, your team. Well, I, I, I just don't wanna, I, I don't think I need to go to any of that stuff. I don't need a team. We all need a team. That's how we do life. We gotta have a team. And he's going, I'm not going until the most important part of the team is going with me. We're walking under that authority. We're gonna be under the authority and the anointing of Deborah. That's how we're going into battle. But see, ladies and gentlemen, we have to walk in that anointing. You can walk in that anointing. 1 John 2.20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. Verse 27 of that same chapter says, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you all about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as he has taught you, remain in him. How do we know the, super, the Holy Spirit is real? Remain in him. The Holy Spirit is for you. I'm here to tell you, he loves you. And he wants to fight with you. He gives you boldness to stand when you should sit, the faith to believe when you should doubt, and the grace to forgive when you don't have the strength to forgive. Don't be scared of the Holy Spirit. 
I think there too many generations have been scared of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're where we're at. And I truly believe this. God won't give his power to a generation that doesn't have the character to carry it. We have to have the integrity. We have to have honor. We have to know that God is first. Put him in there. Make sure he's first in your life. Go all in to the obedience of God, just like Deborah and Barak did. And then here's what, this is, this is so awesome. I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman, which was a big deal back then. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. At Kedesh, Barak called all called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Canaanite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zanunum near Kadesh. When Cicero was told that Barak, son of Abaddon, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Harashi Hagoim to the Kishon River. <sighs> then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. I believe this is Deborah's message to us today. Get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over your enemy. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. For the Lord is marching ahead of you. Today's the day. Get ready. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here. He is in this place and he's not here just to give you the warm feels. Battle needs to take place. Victory is here if we will grab it. Whatever you're needing victory over, it's here because he's here. And then this is so, so amazing that they go to battle. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor to, into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Kind of like what happened with Joshua. I like it when the Lord marches before us because the enemy goes into a panic when they see God. Listen, the Lord is marching ahead of us. Not only are they seeing God, they're seeing the blood of Jesus, not only are they seeing that, they're seeing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's gonna throw the enemy into a panic. Sisera leapt down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harish Hagoim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Ooh wiped them all out. Now, if the chariot is kind of like a tank, why would he have jumped out? Why wouldn't he have been in, this, in the thing that is gonna cause the most damage? Because when they're in this valley, God had it all planned. Deborah knew, she, she could see it, she's just gonna obey. 
But what happened is they went to this valley and God brought a storm. A mighty storm. How do you know that? Because of what she writes as a song in chapter five, verse four. Lord, you, when you sent out from, set out from Seir and marched across the fields of Edom, the earth trembled and the cloudy skies poured down rain. The mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of Mount Sinai. If it pours down rain and it's an iron chariot, it's probably pretty heavy. And if it's going in this valley, the rain is coming, creating mud. What's gonna happen to the chariot that doesn't have four wheel drive? It's gonna get stuck. What did God do? He put all the chariots into a place where they were no threat. That army can't stand against you. And the enemy jumped out. He didn't try to lead his army. What did he do? He ran. The guy who's angry, boiling over, ran. The enemy who is full of hate towards you, the enemy who wants to see your spirit die, the enemy that is after your health, the enemy that is after your family, after your marriage. Listen, when God shows up, he's going to run. God is in your fight. And it may seem like you're stuck in the hands of the enemy, but let me tell you, the hand of the Lord is on you. Well, how do you know that? Well, let's read on. Verse 17. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Iel, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because Heber's family was on, was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazar. Iel went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come into my tent, sir. Come in, don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blankie. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Now, if you've been fighting and you've been running and you're exhausted, he's like, give me some water. She's like, no, I'm gonna give you some milk. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there's anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Ael quickly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Think about this. At this time, the men would go out to war. The women were left to put the tents up, to make the house, to make it comfortable for when they came back from battle. She had set up tents before. She knew exactly how to use the spike and use a hammer. She knew what she was doing. Sisera comes in, exhausted. Give me some water. I'll give you some nice warm milk. Warm milk makes you a little sleepy, doesn't it? Get a little, here's a little blankie. Here you go. He tuck you in, it's all good. 
Are you comfortable? Okay, go to sleep. When Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Ael quickly crept up to him with a hammer and tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground. And I love how the Bible describes his death. And so he died. <laughs> Probably, yeah. How do you know God's in the fight? Let's look back. Judges 4.2, the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. There's an exchange of authority in the hand. Judges 4.7, I, Deborah, will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, and I will give him into your hand. There's another exchange. The Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Deborah wasn't prophesying about her. She didn't even know the person's name but this is what the Lord told me. And she held on to that promise and she spoke it. We need to start speaking our promises out too. Then you go down to Judges 4.21. Iel, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Judges 4.24. The hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan. Now they have authority in their hand. The enemy was killed at the hand. Ladies and gentlemen, the enemy and everything that he thought he did, he thought he won. He thought he had a hand on everything, but then Jesus put his hand on the cross. <laughs> and he bled out and an exchange happened on the cross, an exchange of authority, an exchange of power, an exchange happened right there. And the blood that fell from his hands defeated the enemy, took him out just as God prophesied throughout the entire Bible. And now you have that victory. That's where your victory is and that's where we fight from. And I'm tired of watching Christians f think that they're fighting from a place of defeat. You're fighting from a spot of victory because Jesus was victorious on that cross. There was an exchange that happened on his hands. So ladies and gentlemen, this is the day. This is the day to claim the anointing that God has placed on you through the Holy Spirit. This is the day that it's time to go into battle knowing that Yahweh is gonna give you victory. This is the day to see Yahweh march out ahead of you and be beside you through the whole thing. This is the day to watch God fight for those that He loves and He sent His Son to die for and rise for. This is the day that we see the deliverer take victory out of the hands of the enemy and put it into your hands. This is the day that King Jesus will bring peace and confidence and boldness into your heart and your fight. This is the day that the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
will bring the enemy into a panic and confusion and they lose all power and authority over you. This is the day that the enemy's plans are defeated. This is the day that strongholds lose their ground. This is the day that King Jesus rises up and is the Lord over your life. This is the day that the Holy Spirit changes your destiny. The time is now. Get ready. Get ready. This is the day. This is the day. Come Holy Spirit, fill us. We're nothing if we don't have you. Well, thanks for listening to today's podcast. I just encourage you to step out in faith and thrive in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're interested in more information about Crosspoint Church, check out the notes below. We'd love it if you dropped a five-star review for us. It helps us get the word out and lets the world know who we are and what God's doing. Thanks so much.